Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight. It has been such a difficult week for everyone, so I am here with you now. If you are burnt out like me, emotionally drained, physically drained, I actually have a bit of a stomach infection, I'll be honest with y'all. This week hasn't really went to plan. Story of my life, don't know about yours, and also 2020, and basically now 2021 summed up in a sentence. Um... I'm very poorly and I've got a stomach infection because unfortunately the thing with antibiotics is you get them for a skin infection and an acne infection and they treat it but then they give you a stomach infection. <sighs> Fuck me, I have not missed having side effects and symptoms of antibiotics. That antibiotic course I was on for the skin infection was just, uh, it was hell. My mental health was so bad and um, And then on top of that, having a stomach infection now, oh, I feel so sick and exhausted. But do you know what? I am persevering. Anyone that's in Leaf in Edinburgh knows that that's our mantra, but I am managing to get through this. Rob Madge, unfortunately, had to cancel as well because he's not feeling very well this week either. I think that's probably a contribution to him doing his own amazing show um, digitally last Monday, which was great. So I'm going to get him to talk about that when he does come on next week. And we've had to change things about a little bit, but that does not mean we are not here. I've got two guests this week for Afternoon Delight. First up, we've got a drag artist who I absolutely adored, and this interview was what I needed right now. So I can't wait to share it. We have got a... Honestly, I describe this drag artist as a light sitting with them and hearing... Juniper talk about her stories, her behind the scenes work. She is literally just like me, a mum to everyone. And I love that. I think that's really needed right now, that kind of um, optimist um, perspective on things right now. Um, And I'll let her tell you more about herself. But what an interview this was. It was so lovely and just, you know, that... um, that really positive, that really positive, wholesome content you need. So I really hope that despite the negative times, this interview gives you a lot of hope because by the end, it gave me a kick up the arse I needed to get through my week. So without further ado, I'm going to bring to you the most amazing and so lovely um, drag queen from Glasgow that is Juniper Lovelace. Hello everyone, thanks for joining Afternoon Delight. Oh my gosh, I've got such an amazing drag artist joining me this week. One of my favourite Glasgow drag queens who really is, in the last sort of six months, connected with me on social media and I've been so impressed by. And it is such a pleasure to introduce one of the kindest souls I've ever met. It is the amazing Juniper Lovelace. Hello. Um, thank you very much for having me, Jordi. I feel very honoured. I I listened to your podcast. You had always amazing guests, so it's really joyful for me to be here. And and you're one of those amazing guests now. You're one oh, that actually was like I had said in 2020, at the end of the year, right, a couple of people that I need to contact who I want to come on who are supportive, but also just really amazing people in the drag community and out of drag as well. And 
we've had a lovely, obviously, as you'll know, but the listeners won't, but a lovely catch up before we started recording on just life. And it's so lovely to just hear about you in and out of drag. So pleasure's all mine to get to interview you, Juniper. Thank you. And it's so great to finally meet you because we've been like talking to each other on social media, but we never had like a one-to-one chat. So it's so lovely to, you know, be here. Yeah, because I'd literally said to you, oh, maybe we have met and you've seen me paraplegic drunk in the <laughs> queer community in Glasgow on a bad night out or something. But you're like, no. I mean, polo on a Wednesday. <laughs> Am I right? And I used to actually DJ at Polo Lounge as well back when I um, hadn't even started drag. And I just remember the amount of times I'd DJ till I have to and go, oh, do you know what? I'll just stay in Glasgow and I'll let <laughs> home at like, five in the morning which was just hellish like I mean I would never say that I'm glad I didn't do it because I'm glad I did do it but I think if I was to go back to DJ there I would probably have to get like yeah maybe not (laughs) there are some things that were like they were great for that time but I'm not sure I want to like do it again they were great for that experience and that's it and it's like seven years ago, literally. So that's why I'm like the seven year itches. Seven years ago, I was not living in, in Glasgow. So yeah, totally. So could you, for my listeners, please introduce yourself? That would be lovely. So I am Jennifer Lovelace. I am a drag queen here in Glasgow. Um, you might also know me because I do a lot of photography work. So maybe you've seen um, Rojazzo's um, Instagram photo series for like art. 28 days of art history so I was a photographer and maybe you have seen Loris Taney's pictures on her Instagram and those uh, for those lovely looks that she's doing on um, that she's turning in RuPaul's Drag Race and I did those pictures too so I'm a photographer and I'm also a drag queen. I think that's honestly amazing because I did think that was you taking those photos but I was like I don't want to assume I'll let you tell me um, yeah, it was the photos were, were taken by me, but they were uh, retouched by the super mega talented hair right. um, from from London. Wow, honestly, you're just a creative vagabond. Like you just can do loads of different things. I'm so <laughs> so impressed. I like I'm very like that myself. I like to have my kind of toe in every pond to kind of work out like what I find um, is giving me the best creative energy. Definitely. Yeah. Everything started because I just, I love drag so much. So because I went to shows and I always loved it, I was like, oh, I want to, I always liked photography. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take pictures of things that I like, which is drag. And then I think because always being in a drag show, always being around drag queens, you end up kind of being taken into this world. Um, You know, regular audience members, most of the times turn into drag queens. (laughs) You will see this, like, there's a person that always comes to the show every week. You will see that in, I don't know, six months, maybe, if it takes that long, they will come to the show in drag. So I think that's also what happened with me. That's amazing. And I'd said this to Rujazzle, who obviously you're involved with, with Mother Tucker, for the first episode of that, that, you know, we kind of fell into drag naturally. It just kind of happened. But a lot of people it kind of snowballed that we thought, let's do this for a laugh and see where this goes. And then we've made careers from it. And then other people, and other people have just fell into it too from that. And I love, for me, this week especially, actually, I've had someone watch the House Liability digital drag show last week. Mm -hmm. I've had a a lovely young queer person message me saying they would love to get into drag and could offer them a mentoring session. And I was like... Oh, this is... 
this is like this is super rewarding because they recognize you as a you know as an as an artist that they are inspired by and they want your input and their drag so this is super cool as it's it's lovely that they would want to like you know the house liability for me was just let's do a digital drag show monthly to get things going I've been taking it to a venue now, which is really exciting. And I've been building the momentum. I'm not telling people where yes. it is. Keep guessing. Um, and for them to contact me and say, I would love to do this. Can I send you a photo of me and drag and video me performing? And I'm like, oh, and ask me to be their drag mother. I'm like, well, I'll give you a mentoring session. And if you don't feel like I'm maybe the right drag mother for you, then I can mess yeah. people. I know, like Amy Lamore would be quite yeah. drag parent. Because this is also this is also something that is kind of important. Like I'm not part of any drag family, right? I'm I'm a um, um, I don't know alone in the world, whatever. But I do have like drag mentors. Do have people who help me in drag, and I think being part of drag family is something that it. it I think it, it is really cool, but also you have to find people that kind of that their drag matches with yours, which has nothing to do with like good, bad, or. It's nothing to do with quality. It has to do with what you want from your drag. That's it. Because, you know, drag is an infinite, you know, infinite, infinite, it's an infinite world. You can just go anywhere and you just have to find what, I don't know, what floats your boat. And it's so funny. I mean, you're just so like, because that's everything I literally said to them when they messaged me last Friday that drag is, you've got to find what you want to do, what your drag is, your aesthetic. And the house of liability, we all have kind of a, we all do drag, but we have kind of like other things going on personally that connect us to it. So I just said to them, mm -hmm. you know, in session, think why you want to do drag, what your drag aesthetic is, and how can I actually help you? Because that's what I want to do. And it's great yeah. to send that back. That's amazing. So Oh, that is great. So we have a new member that is fantastic. I can't wait to see them. I know. I think they'll be great, yeah. So let's get an interview going. So enough about me, more yes. about so. Could you just tell my listeners um, where you grew up, studied, any other jobs you had before you kind of went into this creative art world, if you wouldn't mind? So as you might notice by my accent, I'm obviously from Glasgow, which is, of course, not. I'm not from Glasgow. <laughs> I, am, I am from Brazil. Um, I moved here in 2015 um, because, you know, work. Um, and I work in uh, STEM, so... I work in like science, technology, engineering, math, and I just say for fun to people that I am a, com a computer girl. So that's what I work with. I work with uh, computational sciences. And um, I was always um, dabbling on the creative part. I always, I love science and I always did since school time, but I always liked art too. Mm -hmm. So when I was a little kid, I would like dress up, uh, do a show for my parents, of course. They were the best audience. They would always like clap and be very happy to whatever it is that I made up. I made up stories and I made up costumes and all those things. And I kind of like, it was over when I was a teenager because I think you cut a lot of things that you like when you're a teenager. I don't know. At least I did. Um, I became more shy and I think I always wanted to blend in and I was terrified of being different because I suffered a lot of bullying in school. Mm. So, and then afterwards I stayed in science, which I'm very happy about. And when I started to get in contact with drag, which means that I started to see drag like on TV and to go to local drag shows, I found that so appealing because it was 
like everybody was so comfortable being themselves, or at least they appeared to be <laughs> so comfortable being themselves. And it was such a like powerful and creative thing. Um, so I was very drawn to it. So I went to see every, every show. And because I love drag so much, I was like, okay, I need to photograph it. So I went to do photography. And then with this, uh, Rajazo invited me to uh, do the photo series with her, to do a collab. And then we met a lot during that um, month of February. And I think because I watched her do drag so often, because she would, you know, put in a face and then we would do props and all this, it kind of like, it seemed so interesting. So I liked to do everything that was like on the background of drag. I liked doing costumes. I liked doing hair when I learned to do it. And I liked doing makeup. So we started going out in drag, just, you know, to mingle. So I went to a show to just watch the show. And I had all those ideas that um, I wanted to do. And I would harass most likely CJ Banks to do my ideas. and be like, oh, I had this idea for a mix. Why don't you do this and that? So sometimes they would take it. Sometimes I would do a mix and ask CJ to perform it, which one time she did. Um, no, she did it twice. And then, you know, very nicely, she said, like, you know what? If you have this idea, why, why don't you do it? Mm -hmm. um, and what happened was that I had an idea once that I really, really wanted to do. And I tried to harass CJ Banks to do it, but she was going to be on a tour. So she was not going to be on Mother Tucker on the day of that theme. And I was like, okay, I really want this to happen. There's nobody to do it. So I guess it has to be me. So that's when I like started performing. It was... The last thing for me was being on stage. Like I wanted to do everything related to drag except stepping my feet on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that though, because a lot of, you know, drag, I've always, always said that drag encompasses a lot of different art forms and mediums. It's not just about, yes. because I'm naturally a performer. That's what I love doing. I did that youth theater, teenager, you know, two degrees in performing. And that is who I am first. But for some people, you know, I've always been captivated by people that just do the art form with the makeup and Instagram look queens I love and photography is something that I've obviously done in drag as an artist quite a lot collaborating with people and I love that that kind of sort of got you into the art of drag that you went right I'll go down this route and look at photography stuff and you've worked with people like Rue and CJ that are both incredible I can understand why you've naturally flourished and want to under their kind of wings maybe then take off um, but it's so funny to hear that you had such technical, brilliant ideas for this performance and CJ can do it. So you're like, right, okay, well, I will do it then. And, 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 well, I'd love for you to tell me, kind of, what mix was it and what was the performance? So this was my Penelope Pitstop mix, which was my first ever performance, right? Um, which was in August 2019. So I was already doing drag for like more than a year before, like just going out in drag. Um, but you know... Like, I, I pride myself in the looks that I create because it's something that I enjoy doing. But it wasn't always good, <laughs> much on the contrary. The first times I went to drag was such a mess. I think you have all these ideas of what you're going to accomplish. You sit in front of a mirror, you paint. And it's like when you order online versus what comes in the mail. So it's like exactly like this. It's such a disappointment. At least for me, it was, I would imagine something. I would paint it and be like, ah. Oh, Okay, <laughs> it's not none of what I planned. Um, so the first person to give me support in this was Perry Hyazine. 
Oh. God bless her. She saw me at a show and she was super nice to me. She was like, I see what you're trying to do. Do you want to meet me on the weekend so we can work on it? And I was like, yes, please. That's the best thing somebody can ever tell you. It's like, I know you have a problem. I will help you solve it. I've always felt with Perry, because I haven't seen Perry for years, by the way. I think 2017 was the last time I saw Perry at Delmonica's when I'd done the stuck off. And Perry has got such a lovely nature about her. I feel that she would say to you, right, I see what you're doing, but let me help. Very much like myself with other people, but I don't feel like it would have been a malicious sort of, you look busted, let me fix this. It was, oh, no. Let me help. Not at all. The way drag- she was fantastic. Yeah. And for me, that's the way drag queens really should be. I wish that, I hate to say it, but I wish more of us were a bit like that. Um, and to hear you say this, like, oh yeah, you know, it, it, first time was a bit busted and stuff. Like, for, I've never met one drag queen. I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone says. Any drag queens listening that might think, oh, El Jory, I think my first look was really good. I've never met any drag queen who did their first ever look and went, oh, <laughs> I looked incredible. I looked amazing. The only drag queen that I know that the first look was perfect, although they don't think so, is Ali Oops. Yes. Ali Oops' first time in drag was perfect. I saw her and I was like, what? What is happening? What? How are you so amazing? And she was like, no, it looks horrible. But absolutely everybody apart from her thought she looked perfect. So she's the only drag queen that I've seen that the first time was not busted. She just looked amazing. Yeah. But I- Ali Oops is like, I don't know. I, I, cannot, I cannot explain. <laughs> get you and to be honest I just think for me like it's every time I talk to a drag artist they're always like you know oh my first look was questionable or wow like I've just done a BBC social video that's dropping the next two weeks and I'd, yes. uh, and I'd made this line basically and I wrote it and the producer was like we love this can you put an image in that I wrote this like thing saying oh um, and you know I'm doing really well now I'm even doing better on my makeup and then I put a photo of me like in drag like seven years ago that <laughs> we're gonna laugh but it's good that I can make fun of it do you know what I mean I can actually laugh yes yeah <laughs> I I think it's I think it's a great thing that we drag is also kind of like the art of you poking a bit of fun at everything and and above anything a, a bit of fun at yourself totally so you take the parts of you that are a bit ridiculous and you know, make them a bit bigger so you can laugh about it and everybody can laugh about it so totally agree. it is um it is rewarding. I totally agree with you. Can you touch a bit more on the photography stuff you did with Rue and stuff? Like, you know, what kind of photos did you take? And is there a, like, link on Instagram that you can, like, uh, get a follow for? Yeah, I think... So, Rue asked me to do... Like, to help her with uh, an idea that she had. So, it was... The, the first photo series we did was, like, 100% her idea. So, she wanted to do series for her birthday her birthday is in February so is mine um so she was like okay why don't we do like one picture a day and each one is a recreation of um work of art that I really like because Rue studied art, art history so she's um you know she loves art obviously and she had some um specific art pieces that she wanted to reproduce or reinterpret um so we did this it took us a while. We worked for like a full month. Then by the end of it, we kind of realized that we worked well together. So it worked because I don't know if you ever done a photo series. I don't know if everybody that listened to it done a photo series because I know Lawrence did and, and Rogazzo did. It is, it is crazy work. It is very, um, 
you know, it crushes your soul a little bit because it's very intense. You do things, you have to create a new look, uh, a new like scenery, a new everything, and then you have to take a picture, edit, and all this. And it's for it's 28, right? Because it's for the month of February. Or if you do another month, it's even more. Mm -hmm. So it is a lot of work. So we did this all this together, but we did work well together. You know, uh, me and Ritazo have a similar way of like dealing with things. We are both like very, I don't know, relaxed in a way. I, I like to say like peace and love, you know, we're like, yeah, no, of course, blah, blah. So um, it worked well together. And when it was finished, we end up like planning for other series. So we did one about um, Amazing Women of History. We did another one in the next year, another art series. And then we did um, a, kind of like a, a smaller version of the art series for the other year. We did like three years in a row. So third year, we're like, okay, 28 days, not gonna happen. We are both super busy, let's do a little bit different. So we did a kind of like a trash art series that would take stuff. So Jazzo had uh, a box full of like tough rest of looks, things that she needed to like just throw away. So just we're digging through it and separating it and trying to like make looks with those and then take pictures of that. So we did this. And then I think my biggest, my biggest achievement so far is that um, the Corto collection invited Rojazo to uh, exhibit her work at um, festival at the Vienna Museum Dundee. Wow. So we took, so they commissioned specific pieces to, that was, that were um, reinterpretations or recreations of pieces that they had in their collection. So we did this and it was exhibited in the, um, the VNA for a night. So I can say that my work has been exhibited in the museum. That is, I guess, my biggest achievement so far. So this is this was really really cool, and uh, with uh, with Lawrence, that she asked me if I wanted to to take pictures of her her runway looks and her outfits for a repose drag race series too, and I mean, who would not want this? You have the chance to see the amazing looks that she pulled and have a chance to work with her that I, I did before because Lawrence, CJ, Rujazzo, all of those names that I'm talking about are people who are from Amada Tucker, which is a show from Glasgow that ran for like a long, long, long time. And this was the show that I would go to all the time. And I would be the photographer of the show. So I would take pictures of people while they were performing. Of course, they are, those are never too glamorous. But I think it's because they knew me they um, asked me to participate in their projects. And to be honest, I, I loved it because it's your work being recognized. And it also means that people like working with you. And this is I, always a bonus. I had no idea that you had taken all those photos. I'm so sorry that I didn't realize, but I'm so glad. No, I no worries. And this is so you can see the photos in Rodazzo's Instagram page. You can see the photos in uh, Lawrence Cheney's uh, Facebook. Facebook. I'm saying Facebook, but it, I mean Instagram. Yeah. Um, Instagram. And you can see it in my page, which is uh, Lovelace Visual. But to be, fa to be fair, I post there very seldom. I made a new logo and I'm like, I'm gonna post the pictures that I take and I forget, I'm not great at this. 
I'm great at taking pictures, but not at posting them. I also love that you say um, you and Rue work so well together because I'm pretty sure you and Rue are both Pisces, so I can kind of see that. We are both Pisces, yes. <laughs> let the flow happen, whereas like I'm a February baby as well, but I'm an Aquarius, so I'm much more of a let's work out what the meaning to this is. <laughs> um, and it's so great because I remember all those photos, seeing them on Instagram, Facebook. I'm, I'm going to wait in the VNA, me and Rue talked about in the first episode of uh, the podcast so it's lovely to you to tie it back into 2021 and yeah I mean I've done loads of photo shoots I feel like maybe a Juniper and Geordie like collab might have to happen in 2021 like I would love this this would be amazing let's uh, last time I read anything about the vaccination I was supposed to get mine like we were supposed to get ours around April and I'm like first dose I'm like "Hmm, that's interesting that's brilliant that would be nice it would be really nice and I'd seen, I got told people with CF, which is what I've got, um, are going to be put in group four so that they get a half a dose by March because my obviously underlying health issues is respiratory related as opposed to just, un- like, of course. the way COVID impacts, it really would be bad for me to get it, obviously. Of course. Um, so you've kind of explained why you got into drag naturally, which I love because I love when interviews just flow and I don't have to kind of then bring us back and talk about things like there's always a natural flow with Afternoon Delight. Um, so yeah, so it's great to have you talk about all that. So you, you've touched on Mother Tucker. So could you kind of tell listeners a bit more about your experiences and involvement with Mother Tucker, the drag show? So I'm, I was like a super regular member audience at Mother Tucker. I would always go and I would always sit on the couch on the same seat. So on my couch, it was like me, my partner and uh, Gregor. So we would always sit there and, and, and watch the show and all this. So I was always there. And because I was always there, if people needed help for something, I was always like very much willing to do something and to help. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it was like, oh, Jennifer, can you, like, we need a piece of chocolate for the next number. Would you go to the shop real quick and then buy it? I'm like, sure, of course. Um, so I think because of this, I kind of like got involved and also because of the fact that I took the pictures for the show, I had to like post them on the page and all this. So I became like an extended Mojitaka member in a way. Um, and it was also there that I performed for the first time, which felt like family. Everybody was so nice to me. This was really cool. And then when, you know, COVID happened and we had to move everything to digital, I am, like I said, I'm computer girls that's what I do and so they end up asking me for help to run the Mother Tucker digital show which is something that I really like doing because you know it it is a way to keep like the drag and the art alive and I am I'm very much inspired by bitch bitch pudding show because this was the first digital show that I, sh- that I saw, and it was, like, fantastic. Yeah. So everything worked so well. She had Meg. I'm, I'm, I'm the Meg of, of Mother Tucker. So she has Meg that runs the show and does all of this. And she has all those, like, little things that she takes care of. So when a video ends, it's not just blank. There is something else that appears there. There's a theme. There, the banners are done in a certain way. So I was very inspired by this, and I'm like, okay, when when I, I'm gonna try to like do this and I'm gonna try to make like Madataka digital like the best thing I can I can do. Um not not alone, of course. I, I'm not running the show alone, but like the like 
I do the the banners and I run the show and I do the little videos there in between. So great. those things I like to do to make it like great. And I do the playlist too. Oh yeah, honestly, the Mother Tucker <laughs> drag shows have been incredible. Every time I've watched them, I've loved them, and it's nice to know that. Um, you're very much helping get involved with sort of graphics and the sort of and streaming of it because, like you said, you're a tech whiz. So I can just imagine this is your forte being like, I can do this at like stuff and get it going. And you know, it, it does show because the show has always been so clean and brilliant. And I just, I'm always impressed with it. So, like, well done to you for helping steer that. Especially, Thank you so much. You're welcome, especially since March because we've been, you know, we're 10 months now of a pandemic. And when I started this podcast, I didn't anticipate we'd have a season two of this podcast. Like, I didn't, but I'm loving it. And I'm so glad I'm continuing it, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think about enjoying, enjoying the new things that are presented to us. So I think if COVID never happened, I would never, like, learn how to run a digital show. I would never have done any digital performances and all this. And also, for me, one thing that is really cool is that because I am helping run the show so the the show is pretty much like ran by Rajaza with my help um and <clears throat> of course all the mother talkers have an input at everything but the person like I always communicate with Ruth to like make decisions about what to do with the show what to put the art you know they have the final word they are the mother talkers I'm I'm not one of them yeah but nevertheless it's it's really good because it it teaches me a lot about how to run a show and how things work behind the scenes yeah and I always, because my parents are in the artsy world, so my father works in like TV production and worked in the past in TV production and stuff. Oh. I know that what happens behind the camera is fundamental for what you're going to see in front of the camera. Sometimes if you're just a, a regular audience, you, you cannot pinpoint what is wrong, but you feel that something is not okay. So for example, if the light is bad, Maybe a person who doesn't know about lighting is not going to say, well, the problem is the light. But they will look at whatever it is that's showing and they'll be like, ah, it doesn't feel nice. It yeah. feels weird. Yeah, this weird is the lighting that is not good. Yeah. Or, you know, like all those things, they have like a huge impact on how the audience feels about the show. And that can be transferred as well into makeup looks, performances when put mixed together. You know, if the whole... It's, you can have recipes in front of you and ingredients, but if you can't put them all together, it's not going to taste nice. Do you know what I mean? So you're totally right seeing a performance and going, the light, and you know, there's not a nice atmosphere that this should have. Maybe it's the light and That's something that I had to yeah. really look at when I was studying a drama undergrad. Do you know what I mean? You're so right. Yeah. And this is something that you kind of feel on return and error too. Like you, you make, you know, everybody's first digital performance is a bit chaotic, I think. Because yeah. you try to do things, you're like, what to do? And then all of a sudden, you know all your lyrics, but when the camera's in your face, you're like, well, I cannot even say those things. <laughs> At least it happens to me. Um, all very complex. And, and then editing after, after that is also, you know, a learning curve. First, you don't know how to do things. And then, you know, with some practice, you end up being able to put everything together faster. But you're totally everything is like a learning experience. You're totally right. So my first ever drag performance was May 2020 for a digital, um, for a digital performance. And I did, where do I go from here, from Pocahontas 2? Because um, I've got Disney Plus and was like, oh my God, this movie is terrible, but I love this song, like, growing up. <laughs> it felt very apt for us all feeling a bit like, where are we going? What are we doing? 
And HIV Flint yeah. then said to me, oh, they were doing a benefit. And I went, oh my God, I'm literally putting together my first digital drive and you need something, this is good timing. And I've then, last week, I just recorded me singing it instead of lip syncing it. So I'm doing a sort of version two of, here's my first of it digital drag, but me actually singing the song. And oh, I love it. I love it. It's like a revisited, like first performance revisited. I love that concept. I really love it. And it's because in the first one, I just did a sort of simple standing there, lip synced, put a filter over it. And it was lovely because it was a very simple, lovely song that you don't have to really do. Mm-hmm. But for this, I'm singing it and then I'm going to put with a green screen, I'm putting sort of the Pocahontas video behind it and making a production of it. But this is kind of, again, bringing us on to our next question, actually, which I love that, you know, it is trial and error, especially in any performance you do live and film. Um, and yeah. I would like to ask, you know, how have you found doing digital drag? Because you've been turning out some amazing performances that I've loved watching, but how have you, did you feel that process going? Because I've spoken to so many drag artists who came on who went, it's great when it's done and edited. So it'd be lovely for you to share your experiences. I like doing digital drag. So the, the part that I dislike is so is that the fact that I you don't interact with people, right? In a normal show, you do your show and then you talk to people. So I miss that part a lot, of course. I think everybody does. Same. But the part of doing doing the number in digital, like a digital number, I like it. Um, in a way, because as I told you before, going on, like stepping on stage was not the easiest thing for me. I still was like... I see all the people and I'm like, oh my God, this is like so nerve wracking. And then being in my drag room just by myself with the camera is much less scary because I, you know, I don't have to look at anyone. So that, that part is pretty cool. Pretty cool. And it, th- there were some mixes that I had in my mind that I wanted to do even before COVID. And I was like, I, I can't find a way to do them because they, they are two different things. I would have to come up with two different costumes and I cannot quick change, you know, from one thing to the other. How would I make this happen? Mm-hmm. This would have to be a duet or whatever. And then all of a sudden, when there's digital, I'm like, okay, I can finally do that thing that I wanted to do for such a, such a long time. So there were some performances that I actually think they are better for digital that they would be in person. <clears throat> yep. But of course, it is more more work in a way because you you prepare the not only yourself like you paint you film you need to all of, to edit afterwards to find the right images for the background and all of this so this is work and also I think that one thing that digital drag made is to um, make it much harder for people who don't have the financial resources to put up a number. Because the thing is, the things you need for digital drag are expensive. Light is expensive. A camera is expensive. A computer is expensive. So a fantastic performer that in the, you know, the previous years would just put a song, go on stage and like kill it. Now they are like very much hindered. So I think that exacerbates the like social inequalities in drag. And I think this is something that bothers me because you have like a fantastic performers who don't have the means to produce a fantastic number. So maybe they don't want to put up a show. They don't want to put a performance forward because, you know, they don't feel comfortable with what they can do. And I think this is, this is something that is really unfair. I don't really know how to solve this. 
I know what you mean. I totally agree. So I have felt, you know, during the pandemic, especially there has been a lot of, there was a lot of um, performers like myself who went, right, have I, have I got the ability and skill to do a lot of this? Because when I was finishing my MA, which was in performance, I was mm-hmm. like, I can't do like, you know, photos of me performing, I'm gonna have to film it. But I was very lucky that I had a video camera and a ring light from already doing yeah. in the past. So I was lucky and I was so grateful that I knew that. And there were a lot of people that, it felt not even just in the drag scene, by the way, in the arts world itself. Yes, yeah, this is a general thing in arts. I've got some friends who are actors who they were going for jobs that were acting jobs, but it would be obviously digital. And they were like, I'm not equipped and skilled in this. And venues were great and would say, well, we'll send out a camera, we'll send out lights. And they'd go, but you don't understand. I didn't study and train to work on cameras. I did it all in a venue and just did it. And was stage block yeah. where to go and when. And I felt for them because they had to really spend time adapting and working. And yes. Some were lucky, but some weren't. I mean, you're so right. The social, yeah. the social inequality is horrific. And there's been a lot of drag queens I know who have, they're never doing content. But in the past, they were like, well, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to feel like I have to. And I was like, no one is making you feel like you have to. It's exactly. time, you know what I mean? And even if you, let's say you're a full-time queen or, or king or drag artist, because, you know, there are many, many, many aspects of drag. So a full-time drag artist, and then afterwards, you know, you had to find another job and, you know, you found something else, you're working anywhere. You can take a year of pause and then come back to it. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is fun. I'm just saying that nobody's going to hold it against you. You know, like, I don't think any other drag artist in the world is going to see another drag artist that stopped for a year or a year and a half, whatever, and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you're out of the game so very long. You know, like, we are kind of, like, all, all out of the game. And to be fair, in Scotland, we... Because in England, there were shows at some point in summer and whatever, but we didn't have any. No. So in Scotland, there hasn't been a show since March last year. So we are all kind of on the same boat, I think. Totally. First show that happens afterwards, everybody's gonna feel all weird. Nobody's gonna know how, how to react. Like yeah. it, it would be a, a a fun but weird one. Yeah, I've often said this to people like the last couple of weeks actually when the vaccines have started rolling up properly that having that uh, social interaction in a venue is gonna feel so for the first couple of weeks. Mom's quite um, surreal. I know. Surreal. It will feel very surreal. I'm looking forward to it though. Um, I'd rather have the like weirdness of meeting people than the loneliness of not meeting anyone. But well, so that part of like um, um, digital drag, I like it, and this I like it in like in the same. I think in the same amount for different because of different things, of course. Yeah, but it's lovely here. You talk about the social inequality that a lot of people aren't really taking in. And that's, again, so lovely of you because you have got such a lovely light about you when you talk that that is really lovely. Thank you, George. Like, nobody, nobody that is listening to the podcast can see it, but you can see it. You say this and I'm blushing. I'm like, I'm not used it to people saying nice things to me all the time. <laughs> Honestly, you need to hear it all the time. So, uh, so it's... <laughs> But the social inequality is so right. And digital drag for me, you know, now I'm so used to it. But I had a moment where I thought to myself, I love that I can do digital drag, but God, I miss performance stage. And the fact this has become the new normal for me in a way, yeah, like it, it's just a bit of a, a fantasy, a dream world. And I think 
there is a lot of excitement for me that I will be able to, when I take my show live, just stand there and sing my song and not worry about, am I looking at the camera this way? Am I looking this way? Yeah. Also, one thing about digital directive is complicated is editing your material afterwards. You see yourself so often that every single tiny little detail that was not perfect, it like hammers in your head. And I think if you're on stage and like you, there's like you slip a word that is not correct, just smile and go on and nobody's going to care because there's like the energy of the moment, you know, but, but if you do it digitally, people pay attention to the tiniest details you pay attention to, but people also do. And there's this kind of like energy in the room that is hard to explain. And it happens in drag for, for comedic things. You, you know, you make a joke, like you say something that is funny and then the audience laughs and, there's this whole like magic in the air that if you're in your home and you tell a joke, <laughs> who's going to laugh about it? It's going to be you. Like you tell a joke and be like, ha, ha, ha. you know, what, what would be the dynamic? That, that, that part is hard. That is reading me to Phil because on Friday I did that. I was laughing all morning. <laughs> <laughs> Stream it like, no, buddy, hopefully you're all laughing at home. <laughs> but yeah, Brilliant. So you've also mentioned my next question already. So you put together the like playlist and the music for the Mother Tucker Drag Show. And I yeah. remember you when we first started kind of communicating regularly saying, you know, yeah. or maybe when things return, me and you could like do a wee night in Glasgow or something, DJing, because you've got good music taste. Thank you so much. Well, I'm trying to like uh, see what the kids are listening to and then find out in this pack what I like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I should do some classics because I'm older than most people. So I'm like, okay, let's um, let's think about um, you know new music and what people are producing now and the um, the new albums that are coming up and filter through them what I think it's like a bop. Because also before a drag show, you want people to feel like um, happy. You want to contribute to that energy thing that I told you about. It's like, okay, since I'm not, you know, nobody's in a venue, what is a way to create that energy? Like through music. Great. So try to like get people kind of animated and happy to when they start the show, they already are in that like atmosphere that you created. I love that. That's just amazing. And honestly, when I say it, your box slap, like they are so perfect like I because I obviously DJed now eight years this year which is scary you are a professional I never DJed before but you can and I'm I'm very much I told you that when I messaged that I'm like we could maybe in drag do something and get another like this would be so cool I would I would I would be very much up for this um totally yeah so sometimes well most of the times I will um when I have the selection ready, I will email Rajazzo with all the songs to see if there's anything that is, you know, let's say something that she really hates and she's like, no, not the song. I really hate it. Yeah. Um, so I always communicate with her to uh, talk about the music and all this because like I said, I am like a helper for the Mother Circus show. It's not my show. So, and I know this. So I like liaise with them to make sure that the bad thing happens. And sometimes there are just, there's just a song that is on my normal playlist of like my life. And I'm like, oh, I like this so much. Next Mother Tucker is going to come up. So I put it in like a little, like tiny list, like future Mother Tucker. So I just put it there. Be like, okay, next time I'll like go get it. So what's your favorite kind of genre of music? So when I was looking at your performances and watching them, right? 
my one of my favorites that it didn't really fit the show but i loved was your rock set i was like oh because i love pretty women obviously and was like oh. i love pretty women it's such it's such a like um it's such a movie that is not age appropriate from like the times that i've seen it I, I saw it as a child and I was like, oh, I love this movie. But I don't think I realized that like what really was about for me was like a lovely lady wearing lovely stuff. And I'm like, I like that. <laughs> um, and also I grew up in Brazil. So this thing about like watching a horse race for me is like, I, this is so crazy. Well, to be fair, I think there are horse races in Brazil, but only rich people do that. So for me, all of those environments, you know, like go to see horses, this is so um, foreign and so exotic. So I love seeing like her with like the huge hat and all this. This had a lot of impact in my life. That movie, uh, one that I always loved as a child was Flashdance. Also very not appropriate at all, <laughs> but I love Flashdance. My favorite was when she was dancing to the judges and she was pointing to each one of them. There was so much power in her and she was like, this room is mine. I'm going to show them that I'm right. So I'm like, yes, I want that power. So. It's so funny because I loved that song as well because that song was also redone with Jerry Halliwell's It's Rain and Men cover because she comes in, does the audition like her. And then <laughs> and they're like, she goes, can I start again? And honestly, I just, I love that everyone knows. I also love the She's a Maniac Diet Coke advert where they're like, puppets are dancing to Maniac from Flashdance. It's so great. So Flashdance is a great movie that I like. But um, if I have a favorite genre of music, to be fair, the, song, the music that I listen mostly if I'm like alone in my house there's two kinds like anything Nina Simone I love Nina Simone I'm crazy about her everything about her is perfect and correct so I'm blessing Nina Simone all the time all my like uh, Spotify wrapped number one artist Nina Simone yes <laughs> so love. I listen to Nina Simone a lot I love jazz I love you know all the ladies of jazz but especially Nina Simone I love kind of like this like indie-tronic kind of music. All right. So I like Grizzly Bear. I like, um, now that I'm put on the spot, like I, I can never remember. I like like Deer Hunter. I like what else? So, but in any way, wh um, what's the name of the, sh the shows that I've been to? Well, whatever, forget it. Um, but I love all this, um, kind of like indetronic vibes because they help me concentrate while I'm doing things. So well, I love that. I just, of course I love pop music too, but yeah, I listen to a lot. Of, so I, if I was to tell you my favorite genre of music, mine's is like piano house music. I love like 90s dance stuff. Oh, nice. But when I need to kind of focus and do stuff, I always listen to trip hop and like R&B just to kind of bring me down, yeah. relax me because I've got such buzzing ideas within my Aquarius life. Um, it's honestly so great to hear you talk about such amazing things, such positive, like, like lovely things. Um, a thing I often ask people that come on, as you'll know, is that, you know, what kind of things have you been doing to cope during the pandemic? Because you work full time and have been yeah. doing as well. What kind of things have you been doing and what kind of um, skills could you give other people listening who maybe are struggling a bit just now, especially? So things that I'm doing to cope. Um, so I've, Anything drag related is really cool when it happens. 
So there is the, like the, the Tucker shows <clears throat> that I was involved with. And this is always great because it gives me something to look forward to. And one thing that I've done a lot has nothing to do with, with, dra with, with drag, but it's baking. So I'm like, okay, I have all this free time. I'm going to bake things. I love, I love kitchen. I love cooking. I love all of those things. And I think the best way for me to show I love someone is when I cook for them. So, you know, if I make, you know, a cake or something. So now I've done a lot of like different bakes. The last thing that I've done that was like kind of cool was French macarons. Um, and they turned out really nice. Um, who ate them? Oh, I, it was, it was a, um, on New Year's that I did this. And I, I met with Chucky outside to give her some macarons. So she ate them. So she's there to attest that they were really good. So. Love that. Do you know, it's so funny you bring that up, right? I'm so glad you brought this up. No one listening to Afternoon Delight knows this. I bake right now to cope. I've been doing, yes. been doing that since July because I met a lovely guy who's a cancer who loved baking. And mm -hmm. he'd said to me, oh, you know, I bake when I'm stressed. And I was like, oh, I, I love baking growing up, I wanted to have like Marge Simpson as a mom or be Marge Simpson. And this is around the same time I did my Marge Simpson drag look. He was, you should bake if you get stressed and, and it makes you feel centered. Stress baking is a thing. Oh, I don't think I'm going to do that. No, no. But then actually one day I went, I was bored and went to Sainsbury's to buy something. I was like, oh, I could buy some ingredients to make like banana bread. And I'm not the only artist I've spoken to who's been baking, by the way. But I went, okay. And honestly, the amount of times every Monday, because I don't really like Mondays, every Monday is my a bake day and I do my emails. And it's kept me so sane being able to just go, that's my day for doing this. And yes. you're, every time on Monday, my friend does my food shop for me because she's got a car. And she, every time she comes, I give her a slice of cake and it makes her week. And it's just, it's so lovely. Like, so I'm so glad you brought Yes. I'm, I'm also... Um, for me, cooking for myself, like making, like baking things for myself, is also like a love letter to me, you know, like treating myself well. So, you know, doing like a nice dinner for me and all this. So I like baking, but not, of course, I like to give it like things to other people. And nowadays, well, in the past, when we could still meet outside, I would still like meet with people outside and like give them like a little box of cakes. But now I cannot even do that. But doesn't matter. I will, I'll bake them for me. Um, and I'll just make like a smaller portion, but yeah, I'm the, like, I'll, I'll bake and then I'll, little Halloween, I made little cakes that had the shape, like the shape of a pumpkin. So I decorated them as a pumpkin. So I try to like make the, like put all my energy into, I don't know, something that is also a bit like dry because it's a bit like magic. Because, you know, drag is one of those things that you transform a lot of, like, crap into something that is amazing. And baking is kind of similar. Because, you know, like, like some flour, some sugar, some butter, whatever, some eggs, all separate. They are quite boring, plain, whatever. You mix them together. You create something that is amazing. You eat it. You get happy. It looks beautiful. So it is, like, a bit magical. So that's why I like baking. That's, that's honestly so lovely. Um, you've obviously mentioned earlier that you are a bit older, but we won't say how old you are because uh, <laughs> you're gorgeous and very, I, I actually was, and this is not a rude comment when I say this, when you'd said to me, I was like, I, okay, whatever, because in drag you look gorgeous, but you're like me, you look very young in drag. And even now you look quite young like me, actually. We've got, we've got beauty on our side. <laughs> but um, 
what I was going to ask you was, you know, if there's anyone listening that's slightly younger, what are your words of wisdom to people that are wanting to pursue drag and the arts, but they're maybe feeling a bit like, you know, this is a struggle right now? I would say that um, you just kind of, you just have to do it. Because one thing that we as people, I think we do it very wrong, is that every time we try to do something, we try to be like professionals at this or to do something to, to do like perfectly at it. And sometimes just doing things because you like it is okay. You're like, oh, I don't sing because I'm not a good singer. But the question should be, do you like singing? Yes, then do it. Do it badly, I don't care. So you just have to do things that you like. Um, one thing that a friend of mine when I lived in Germany told me when I was learning how to ski and it was like hard for me because I learned as an adult and, and she would tell me like the best skier is the one that has the most fun. So that is it, right? So it's not the one that goes down like the mountain like the fastest way or the hardest route is the one that has the most fun is the best skier. So I think this is something that it's important to like think about in terms of art. Like if you like doing something, do it. You're like, oh, but I'm not the best at it. Well, who cares? Like if there's a best person, it's one. And there are billions of people in the world. So you're all together with the other, I don't know, that many billion that are not the best. That's honestly amazing. Uh, again, oh, you just make me feel so great. And I'm hoping people listening get that like essence of how lovely you really are. You're just saying that so well. And oh, thank you. Jen, that we ask in this season, as opposed to season one, is what did 2020 teach you? And what are you now grateful for in 2021, if you wouldn't mind sharing? So I think 2020 taught uh, me, and I think everybody, that it's very hard to take things for granted. I know that we say this all the time, but we use it to take, to not take things for granted. There were like bigger things. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm not taking like my relationship for granted. But now you got to a phase that you're like, wow, going for a stroll on the park with someone not even that you can take for granted so like enjoy every moment and i think it's 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 a very hard process but try to like live one day at a time because i think if you always especially now that you're thinking like what i'm gonna do in six months what's gonna happen in a month what's gonna happen like three weeks like you don't know there's a lot of uncertainty so I think looking at one day at a time, if you can, um, is a way to keep you like sane and grounded and, you know, um, keep your worries at a bay. Because, you know, like you're going to be worried, but <laughs> at least you, you don't get worried about things that are like totally out of your control. I totally agree with you. And what would you say you're grateful for in 2021? Like, is there something you think you're really grateful for just now? I think I'm grateful for my, like my home, you know, that I am in a place, you know, in a relationship that is, makes me happy and it's healthy. And I have my pets with me that help me, you know, go on about my day and um, just feel, just make me feel like home. And I think this is something that I'm really, really grateful for. I think uh, for many years I lived in, in places that were not like ideal. So I don't know, I had a flat that I didn't really like and then I would pass but like, oh my God, I hate this kitchen, but well, I never, I'm never here anyway, I'm working the whole day. 
Um, so I'm very happy that I am in a, like in a flat that I like in a home that I feel like, you know, yeah. that I feel at home. And I feel like for me, and I don't know if you resonate with this, but for me, there was always this thing that when I made my project in summer to make my house my safe space that, you know, everything I like, even I got every room decorated because I had some money that I could spend. And mm-hmm. when that became a safe space, I really felt comfortable in my skin. And I think you're so right that, you know, home really can affect your mood and, and be great. Absolutely. Totally. And, you know, if, pe- pe- if people can, you know, if they have the energy for it, I would say, like, keep your space, like, fairly organized. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, like, perfectly organized. I'm not saying this, but, you know, a clean, a clean space, a clean, decluttered space does wonders for your mental health. Like, it helps with, like, if you're too anxious and you look at a place that is messy, it, your anxiety goes up. So, you know, um, if you clean your space, if you declutter it, you will feel better, for sure. And I remember CJ Banks saying one thing that she had done during the pandemic was make sure that um, she had made her bed every morning. And I said, oh, same. I actually... Was- I make my bed every morning and I never say my pajamas. I wake up. I shower, I put on clothes like I'm going out, and then I hang on about my day. Even if I never leave my house, which is actually what's happening now, I never leave my house. So I just go on about my day with normal clothes, and then, you know, put my PJs to go to bed and all this. Brilliant. Juniper, honestly, we're at two questions left, and it's been such a lovely experience getting to finally meet you digitally and interview for the podcast you've been one of my favorite guests without a doubt like oh thank you so much it was lovely to be part of your podcast it was very very nice thank you so much for inviting me you're absolutely welcome where can people follow you on social media for your performances and for your looks and for your work i am juniper lovelace in every platform so you can follow me on instagram you can follow me on twitter and that's I mean I do have a TikTok account but I never posted anything and to be fair I don't think I'm posting anything in the future so I would say Instagram and Twitter follow me there brilliant every episode as you know we end with a quote for our listeners and I would love for you to share your quote before we finish the episode so my quote is actually kind of like a translation of a Brazilian saying and it, it translates kind of like this um not knowing that it was impossible, they went there and did it. That's amazing. And what's the original translation? Um, so the original is in Portuguese. It's não sabendo que era impossível foi lá e fez. So it is, it's about that, like kind of like almost innocence that you have when you're young and you're like, well, you don't, you know, you if you don't tell someone that it's impossible, they don't have that blockage in their mind. So if you don't know that it's impossible, we'll just go there and do it. I love that. Honestly, Juniper, that was just a perfect way to end this. Thank you so much for joining me afternoons. Like you are Thank a- you very much for having me. You're welcome. I mean when I say, by the way, how lovely that interview was just to do, like out of all of the interviews. Honestly, like um I don't actually have favourites. I always love to tell my guests that, but Gemini Rising, obviously, like, I do often have favourite interviews for different reasons, but I never have a favourite interview, but I, I, I was blown away. I didn't realise that Juniper was so involved in all the behind-the-scenes stuff, which people that can do that and perform are just skilled workers, like, 
go Juniper. And honestly, I know I said it earlier, but the negative energy right now in the air and how everyone is just so exhausted. This is the kind of people you need to listen to and get advice from. And I've went away and I've, you know, Pisces, great people. I've had so many Pisces friends in my life and worked with a lot of them. But, you know, I think the main thing I know about Pisces is that they have empathy, they're empathetic and generous and very creative people. And for me, that level of empathy, I've seen Juniper constantly on Twitter. Anytime a drag queen's not having a good time, really upset, saying, don't take it personal, it could just be this. And I'm like, yes, that is what we need right now. Um, Juniper, you're amazing. I know you're listening to this and you're very, um, you're very lovely and, you know, humble and modest. And I think take this interview in your stride and realise just what amazing work you're doing for the drag community and how fantastic I think you are. And I can't wait for us to work together and hopefully do um, a photo shoot and other collaborative work. You're honestly a beacon of light right now. Thank you so much for joining me, darling. You are truly amazing. This has been such a lovely episode of Afternoon Delight. I am really excited that we have another guest with us on Sunday. Um, so this was Friday's Afternoon Delight with Juniper Lovelace. Sunday, I've got a lovely, talented um, film artist and presenter for the BBC Social, which is really exciting. They've just dropped their BBC Social video. It's hilarious. He's so funny. Um, yeah, I won't give too much away, but we've got an amazing um, presenter, sort of um, film artist, which is so hilarious. Um, we need that light-hearted humour right now, especially. Uh, and that'll be on Sunday. And then next week, we'll obviously have Rob Madge, which is so exciting to finally connect with him because he's been doing such great work for the community. And I think me and him are very alike that we've turned out a lot of online content recently. I think we're just burnt out, and that's totally fine. And I'm excited just to keep bringing these episodes for you and give you some hope right now. Um, so I'm going to zone out for the night. Love to all of you. I hope you've enjoyed Afternoon Delight. Do what you will with it, I think. Juniper's quote was a perfect way to describe it. And you know what? I did an interview and take on the young drag artists I've mentioned to Juniper and seeing them so excited by drag at the start of their career and the fun, that really gave me again a reminder of why I love doing what I do and why I'm here to help other people now do it. After at least seven years in the game of being a drag queen, let me just tell you, I mean, I might look young, but fuck me, I am actually starting to realise that I'm quite, I've been in the game for quite a while. But yeah, the granny's away. Until then, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories.